0: And welcome to the Navigating Childhood Cancer podcast. In this podcast, we explore all aspects of a child's cancer diagnosis. We'll speak with parents, experts, caregivers, and maybe even the children themselves to understand the issues, the risks, the struggles, and the triumphs. My name is Heather, and this is the information I wish I had when my child was diagnosed with leukemia. Thank you for being here, and welcome to episode five. Today, I'd like to get real about some of the things that were a real struggle for us while trying to navigate our child's treatment. These are topics that I expect are things that most families will struggle with. And these two topics that I've chosen to cover today are food and medication. These two are linked. The food is required to keep our patients nourished and the meds are needed to help them get better. Both of them are tricky to navigate Both of them are hard to ingest. Both of them can lead to nausea or worse. And both of them were a source of major stress for us as parents. Both required patience, and both became easier with time and experience. So, let's dive in. I'm going to start today with food. There are a couple of issues on the food front. The first one is how to feed your child while in hospital. In our case, the hospital has an amazing room service type meal arrangement called the meal train. In typical sick kids fashion, it's kid friendly and you can order food from a menu and have it delivered directly to your room. There's no set menu as you would expect in a hospital. No tray of food that arrives at your room three times per day that looks sad and soggy. Instead, you get to look at the menu and choose the items that your child would like to eat. Sounds amazing, right? Well, it didn't take long in our case for my child to tire of the options that were available. They're simple. Chicken nuggets, cucumber slices, pasta with marinara sauce, even pancakes for breakfast. And even though there's choice, and even though I know a lot of TLC goes into the preparation of those meals, it just wasn't that appealing by the time it arrived in our hospital room. Most of it looked okay to me, but to a kid undergoing treatment who was already predisposed to being nauseous, it wasn't always edible. So as an alternative, we turned to the food that was available in the food court downstairs in the main floor of the hospital. Again, lots of amazing choices, but eating in the hospital gets old fast, not to mention expensive. Sushi, lentil soup, chicken souvlaki, All things that we might otherwise love, but once you've eaten in a hospital room, or for the kids, eaten it in a hospital bed, you can sometimes get turned off that food altogether. At least my child did. It did not take long before my child could no longer stomach some of the options that were available in the food court or from the meal train, and that presented us with a new challenge. How could we keep my child fed while in hospital if those options were no longer available? We did often try to bring our own food. This allowed me to keep it simple and to be very specific about the foods that I know my child likes and could tolerate. There are fridges in each room and a microwave in the kitchen, so it is possible to bring food that you can keep over the weekend, for example, and heat it up for dinner or for breakfast. But again, it wasn't always a foolsafe way to ensure that we had the food that we needed. Sometimes what seemed like a good idea, when we were at home preparing for a visit to the hospital, was no longer tolerable by the time we got to day two or day three. And sometimes, again, the experience of eating it in the hospital room could turn off a child that was already feeling nauseous. One night, my kid asked for McNuggets. I admit that I felt deep shame going downstairs to pick up that Uber Eats order and... When I carried it up the elevator to our room, I was hoping that people wouldn't see what I was carrying. The only justification in my mind was that my child was in treatment, and so whatever could be tolerated was what could be eaten. Our doctor had told us that nutrition was always important, of course, but there would be certain times when it was just more important to ensure that the child is simply eating. So if the only thing a child can tolerate in that moment is fast food, well, then that's what they get. There were plenty of opportunities for healthier options along the way, including now, I'm pleased to report, but that night, McNuggets is what it was. I'm also pleased to report that since it was consumed in hospital, much like some of the other meals that were eaten in hospital, the McNuggets are now on my child's list of things that they can no longer eat, at least for the time being. Then there's the food that we prepare to eat at home. And we do our best, obviously, to prepare food that we know our child can eat. But during treatment, even at home, even with a well-stocked pantry, this can be tricky. I love to cook. And I have kids who will eat most things. I generally don't have trouble encouraging them to eat all the healthy options. Broccoli, spinach, salmon, avocado. They eat it all. But not during treatment. There were days when the meal that was requested for dinner could no longer be tolerated once it was made, and sometimes a second meal needed to be prepared, which is something that I don't generally do, and sometimes something simple, like broth with noodles, would be prepared only to be pushed away after only one or two bites. This is the reality of a child in treatment. I just tried to keep it in mind that my child was trying hard that they too wanted to eat and be nourished. My child is old enough to understand the importance of those well-balanced, nutritious diets, but they simply couldn't get the food down on some days. Because nausea is such a significant side effect of chemotherapy, it is very common for a child to be either unable to eat or unable to keep it down. I often thought back to those days of power struggles over food when my children were toddlers And how there was just no winning once a child decided that they didn't want to eat something. And it was pretty similar with a child in treatment. No more power struggles. But as a concerned parent, I quickly learned that no matter how much we might want them to eat or get those nutrients into their bodies, only they can decide what is possible on any given day. But I really need to acknowledge that it was stressful. We can't push. We can't pressure. But sometimes the stress associated with trying to encourage a child to eat when they're unable to is next level. A sick child needs a healthy diet to have the energy to get better. Especially when weight is one of the key metrics that's being monitored. And the weight loss in those first few months was fast and significant. It was pretty alarming and very concerning for me. It helped to keep the pantry stocked with lots of different options, but during that time, all the rules just flew out the window. We could only do our best and try to be okay with half a cup of soup or a few plain crackers, or a chocolate chip cookie, even though the main course had been left untouched. My child's taste buds have not yet returned to normal. There are things that I'm still surprised that they can't touch and even now after two years in treatment sometimes there are meals that simply cannot be eaten. It's a slow process and I have no idea if things will ever return to the way they were before treatment. So until then we remain patient and try to present the healthy options and sometimes still have to be okay with just whatever they can eat. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to medications. And I need to preface this by saying here that I'll be talking about our experience. I understand that the experience that a patient has with their medications will be vastly different depending upon their age, depending upon the medications that are prescribed, depending upon the child's experience with swallowing pills, or their understanding of the fact that they are taking medication. And I really need to emphasize how important it is to consult with your care team about any challenges that you may be having with taking meds. This was our experience only, and the suggestions that I'm going to explain today were relevant only to us. So, I think it's fair to say that most children are not experienced in taking pills. Up to the age of 12, typical medications that a child may need to take, such as Tylenol or Benadryl, comes in a children's format, which is generally in a liquid format that is flavored to appeal to children. At least this was the case for my kids. None of them had ever had much experience taking medications other than the odd spoonful of children's Tylenol. So when my child was first admitted to the hospital and presented with an entire schedule of different meds that needed to be taken at different times of day, it was a challenge to say the least. Some of the medications were given to my child in hospital through an IV drip. And as hard as that was, it was sometimes much easier than the task of sitting down to try to help a child take a collection of medications orally, either while sitting in a hospital bed or at home while sitting at the dining room table. Most of the meds that my child was asked to take were in a pill format. No more bubblegum flavored suspension fluid or orange flavored chalky tablets. These were real pills and some of them were big and there were lots of them. Most of them tasted awful. A child life specialist sat down with us in the beginning to try to teach my child how to swallow pills. We started with Nerds, those tiny little candies from our childhood, and worked our way up to mini M&Ms followed by regular sized M&Ms. We tried hiding them in pudding, yogurt, ice cream. We tried sweetening it with maple syrup and honey and tested different types of fluids like apple juice. You name it, we tried it but none of it made taking medications any easier. We struggled a lot. It was not easy. But at one point, with the guidance of our child life specialist, we decided that maybe it was a struggle that we had to let go of. We had to let go of the dream that taking meds could be done with a few sips of water. Maybe taking meds this way was just not going to work out for our child. So we got a fancy little pill cutting tool and resigned ourselves to crushing the meds and giving them in a liquid format that is mixing the crushed pill with some water along with some maple syrup. And that simply became our method and it is the method we use today. Listen, going through cancer treatment is hard on a good day. Taking meds is also very hard. They taste terrible and it takes a mountain of will and determination to get all the meds down that are required in a day. Even once carefully prepared with maple syrup, it still isn't easy to get it down. Our role as parents is to be patient and supportive and to wait. We decided that the best approach for us as a family was to tag team. My partner and I took turns sitting down with our child to help with the meds each day. One of us, if one of us was feeling frustrated or tired, we'd switch roles. We acknowledged that it was hard for our child and we tried to remove the pressure to do it in a certain way and just tackled the problem however we could each and every day. By the time we reached the maintenance phase of treatment, which was after 11 months, the medication that was required on a daily basis was actually one that could be taken in a syringe. So that is to prepare it. We were able to put the tablets into a syringe and then draw water into the syringe in order to dissolve the tablets. Once dissolved, the fluid could be swallowed in just one large gulp. Surprisingly, this became the easiest of the meds that my child had to take, and thank goodness because it was required daily for 18 months. So please note that it's important to check with your pharmacist and your care team before altering any medications in this way. Before crushing or diluting them, please ensure that it is okay or appropriate. As I understand it, not all medications can be crushed, So we need to carefully follow the instructions on each individual medication. I wonder often what it must be like to have to give medication and to go through this struggle when the patient is a toddler or a small child who refuses to take the meds or who simply can't get them down. My child was old enough to understand the need for these meds and was able to sit with us reluctantly, but patiently, at the table until all the meds were finally taken. What happens when the patient doesn't understand or is not a willing participant? I'm quite sure that the hospital has strategies for these situations too, but I can only imagine how hard it must be. Yet again, the bottom line here is that it is hard for the kids, and it's also hard for the parents. And the hospital and healthcare team is always there to help. We felt supported with ideas and alternatives. We just had to raise the issue and not be afraid to ask for help with something that, in the beginning, felt impossible. Picking our battles was also important, and involving our child in the process so that we could find a solution that would work for all of us was ultimately what helped us get through. At the end of the day, we've been getting it done. But I will admit, that taking meds is going to be the part of this whole experience that I will miss the least. So it's a short episode today, but I thank you for joining me and invite you, if you'd like to learn more, to find us online at navigatingchildhoodcancer.com and on social media at at nccpodcast. If you and your family are on this journey, I am so sorry. I hope you'll stay to listen and that you'll find something valuable here. If you'd like to share your perspective, please reach out. If you know someone whose child is living with a cancer diagnosis, I also invite you to stick around and to share this podcast with your community. Because truly, we can only get through this together.